get to introduce to you our senior pastor, Fred Garcia, who's going to bring the word this morning. And uh, thank you, sir. And uh, I just want you to to welcome him. Uh, you know, he works hard. He does. And I'm not necessarily talking monetary or financial now, but the scripture says that we should uh, give double honor to those who labor among us. And, you know, being here uh, on the work days and different things, just and just being around, I know this man labors among us. And uh, so... He doesn't have a t-shirt like I do. I don't. He might want one, but he doesn't. And uh, so, would you greet him and welcome him and receive from him, because that will honor him. Thank you. Amen. Am I in the right spot, Catherine? We're good? All right, can I come closer? I'll close my Hello, Am I good here? I don't like being way far away from you, that's why I asked. I, it, it's taken me the better part of probably nine months, but I think I'm finally trained within where I need to be for you guys at home. Um, like, like many of you who bring the word... I like to wander. Um, so, all right. Anyways, I just got to keep Catherine on her toes from time to time. <laughs> oh. We started talking several weeks ago about honor. And uh, this is, when we started that, God, um, as he often does, you know, something that's really on his heart or that he wants me to impart that's on his heart. He kind of gives me a whole bunch, and then i got to break it down um, into, into sections and, and themes, so to speak. And we, we talk generally about honor. And the last time I was up here, we talked on humility, and there's been a number of just complimentary words. In fact, everything, just through the whole, I think, the beginning of the year, uh, just right up even in through last week, has just been so complimentary. It's always fun to see how God pulls things together. But this morning, I want to touch on the last intended <laughs> um, portion of honor, which is loyalty. And uh, I was going to do it a few weeks ago, and, and it just it didn't feel quite ready. So I waited. And uh, it's one of those topics that's necessary, and I think often greatly misunderstood within the body. I think oftentimes you start talking of loyalty 
And uh, depending on your experience in business or relationships or, or even churches as well, um, it can conjure up negative feelings, sometimes even more so than, than positive, as to what loyalty is and what it means. And as I was preparing, um, God was reminding me of the Transformers. Remember the, the little, the, well, back, I think it was in the mid-80s, they started with the toys that would transform from a robot to a car, or a car to a robot, and so on and so forth. And then they developed this whole storyline to sell their toys, which uh, was a cartoon series, and then it developed into movies. Um, but he brought that to my remembrance, because it, no matter the storyline, okay, there was always a, a point in time where, you know, the Autobots, who were the good guys, right, against the Decepticons. If there was ever a good name for bad guys, it's the Decepticons, right? Deceiving little traitorous robots, or big traitorous robots, big guns and stuff. Side note, I watched the movies and I've enjoyed them, but I can never tell, when they start fighting, I can never tell who's Who's where? It's just a blur. Maybe younger eyes can tell. But <laughs> Anyways, there always comes a point in time where the good guys are losing. And it, what's required is that they have to, the good guys have to disassemble themselves to form one big good guy. And then that big good guy goes, really? Bang! And and they, they win the day, and the movie ends, and everybody's happy, and the villagers rejoice. Right? When I think of loyalty, I think of that. It's, there's, a, there's a laying down. Um, and, you know, we make fun of Hollywood, and we see how out of touch they are, and yet, at the same time, they... they really portray some profound lessons and when you stop and listen to what's going on behind the scenes. They may not understand the fullness of what it is they're talking about. In fact, they may even approach it from a much different vantage point and often they do. But they're not as behind as we sometimes think. As I've told you, I've been reading this book. Um, I think I brought it with me. Yeah, would you hand me my book bag? Now I feel like I can't move out of this. I brought it up here a few times. Thank you, honey. Um, it's a book by Bill Johnson called Born for Significance. Um, master the purpose, process, and parallel promotion. And uh, it's really what got me started on this. Although God's just, as he often does, he, he kicks you off in a direction and then you just you just run because Holy Spirit gets involved and just begins speaking things to you. But as I was reading through, I don't know that this was in here or somewhere else, 
the best picture that I have found in Scripture of loyalty, I have found in Genesis chapter 9, starting in verse 18, and I want to read that to you. Genesis chapter 9, verse 18. Now the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. Then Noah began farming and planted a vineyard. He drank of wine and became drunk and uncovered himself inside of his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and he told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were turned away so that they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. So he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. Noah lived 350 years after the flood. So all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. It's a lot of years to start with. There was a time when I would read that and think, yeah, Lord, I want to live that long. It's going to take me that long just to do everything that I want to do in life. You did it here. Let me live that long. And then the older I get, the more I go, you know, I'm good with, <laughs> I'm good with whatever you want to give me. Not that I'm looking to cut things short, but, but life, life is challenging. Anyway, that's another side note. Again, this is one of the best examples, embodied in this picture, even, of loyalty that I've found in God's Word. Loyalty boils down to essentially two things, as demonstrated by Shem and Japheth. Verse 23, they chose not to look on their father's nakedness, and they chose to cover their father's nakedness. This is loyalty. And you could really dive deep here. And I'm going to get a little ways in because I think it is so important and so vital. Again, it's a part of honor. Loyalty is a part of honor. And honor is one of those keys that, that unlocks greater favor. And so it's something we're called to walk in. It's something that, that is a part of the church, of us, as families, as couples, as a body, as a, a local body, as the local body. As the regional local body, as the body of Christ worldwide, it is something that is so vital to the church right now. You know, we talk about making an appeal to heaven. 
the body of Christ remains divided, we're not going to get very far. On any level. I'm not saying we're divided here, okay? There's divisions I don't know about. Sometimes I just don't want to. (laughs) Truth be known. But when they come up, we deal with them. Noah was a good man and a faithful servant, and yet he was not perfect, right? The fact that he made a vineyard, not bad. The fact that he made wine was not bad and drank the wine was not bad. It's the fact that he got drunk and that was to his shame. And then he uncovered himself in his tent. And that too was to his shame. He got drunk, placed himself in a position where people had access to his nakedness or shame. Well, you know, you bring up a really important point. They should have stayed out of his tent, right? And in, in our culture, that makes perfect sense. Because in our culture, we walk into someone's door... They can have a gun on us and shoot us, okay? And and that's a boundary in our culture. But it was not so in this day. And, and here's why I say that. If you if you stop the story with what Ham did, you can say that. But then what you see is is obviously Shem and Japheth. They were concerned. Now, if it was a matter of just don't enter my house. Why bother to go cover him? And so what that speaks to me is that culture, culture had of that day had a different point of view. It was those who are closest to you had access to you and could walk into your tent at any time. Who did that include? I don't know. I haven't studied that in depth. I don't know that that's Perfectly clear. It probably is, and someone who has more time and greater and wants to dig in can do that. But I know this much. Japheth and Shem thought it important enough that their father be covered. Because they didn't want anyone else to look upon his nakedness. Again, those closest to you have access to you. And as is always the case, those who have, who have access to you, the closer they are, the sooner or later, they're going to find things out about you. In the words of, uh, of Clint Eastwood, or one of the movies he was in, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, people find out about you. In the words of Apostle Tim, he likes to say, if I haven't offended you yet or said something that, that you disagree with, stick around. Sooner or later, those who have access to us get to see those things. And it's not always pleasant for either party, for that matter. It's true of those in leadership, it's true of our circle of friends, it's true of our marriages family, we get access to people, and sooner or later, I mean, for those of you who are married, or even have been married any any length of time, um, you begin to find out things about your spouse after the first year, after that honeymoon period, 
Found out anything yet, T? <laughs> <laughs> no, good man. Good man. He's covering his what? <laughs> no. Maybe we should ask her. Yeah. Maybe. 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 <laughs> like Noah, the nakedness or shame of a person, of a leader, is sometimes exposed for those who have close access to them. Here's what Proverbs has to say about loyalty. Okay. Um, whoops. Oh, and I didn't do all that right, so pretend the rest isn't there. I think you've heard that before. But Proverbs, chapter 20 and verse 6, says this, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? Person. You see, you can say that you're loyal to a leader, to a friend, a spouse. But your loyalty is always unproven until you're forced to walk it out. It's always unproven. It's simply lip service until you walk in on someone's nakedness. Someone's nakedness is not only their place of shame, but it's also where they're most vulnerable. And again, this is where the question of loyalty is often answered for people. And let me give one more side note. I don't stand before you as someone who has perfected this or who has always done it right. As my wife, and many of you even, can attest to. I haven't. I have learned a lot from my mistakes, I can tell you that. And maybe that's why, maybe that's what makes me very qualified to do this, because I was someone who did not walk in life. See, we look at the passage alone and we say, okay, well, Ham saw his dad naked, right? Um, But when it says he looked upon, it can also be translated, these words that are on the screen behind you, to consider. He didn't just look, he looked and considered. He he took into consideration. It could also be uh, translated, uh, he displayed or enjoyed, or examined, or exposed, or gloated over, or kept looking at, or made an inspection of, or searched out, or showed, which is what he essentially did to his brothers, verbally, or stared at, or watched. And we talk about these things, and especially in the context of nakedness, and it makes us uncomfortable, quite honestly, I believe it's supposed to. I believe that's supposed to be our reality. When, when we see disloyalty, 
when we, when we see things going on like that. You see, loyalty is an amazing catalyst. And when present in a group of people, it, it, um, but it's also at the root of all sorts of division. And that's why it makes us uncomfortable. In every case of division, whether it's between husband and wife, close friends, team members, church members, work members, co-workers, where there's division, there's typically disloyalty. And we often think of the person, but I'm telling you, it's, it's the enemy of our souls who loves to stir this stuff up. He's the liar. He's the king of liars, the father of lies, as Jesus said. He always has been and he always will be. He's at the root of this stuff. But just because he's at the root of it, just because we can blame him and he is at fault, doesn't mean that, that we shouldn't understand this well because it's so critical for us moving forward and moving and operating as a team. Again, in our small circle, in our families, in our in our relationships outside of here, in our relationships inside of here, with the rest of the body of Christ, and so on and so forth. Bill Johnson, just just to, just to give you maybe some of the, the weightiness of this, okay? And then I, I'm hoping to be kind of done with that portion. Um, Bill Johnson tells the story of when he first became a pastor. He was mentored. He had the privilege of being mentored and pastored by his father, who mentored him into the ministry for the first five years. And he recalls a time when his dad had brought all of his ministers, all the people who were working into the church, into a room. And began to tell them, you know, if you're having trouble with alcohol, I'm going to work with you. If you're having trouble with, with pornography, and he just began to go down and, and make a list of all the potential sins. If you're having trouble with it, I'm going to see you through. When he got done, he said, but you're disloyal. You're out. And it took me aback when I read it. But there's a weightiness. Because so much hinges on our loyalty. First and foremost to him, and then one to another. We can't work and move and function and operate. And be the victorious church without him. That's, that's why it's so weighty. What are we covering? What are we covering? We're potentially covering sin, both current sin potentially, and past sin. We're covering, called to cover bad choices and mistakes, whether they're real bad choices or simply perceived bad choices. Also known as judgments on our behalf. We make judgments of others. We see what other people are doing and we say, aha, 
that was horrible. Why did you ever do that? Based on what we see, right? And we do it all the time. How do we cover? We address it. These are just the basics, right? Things that, yes, we should know, things that we still struggle with. There's not a one of us in here who isn't tempted or, or, or doesn't struggle with this in some way, shape, or form, or will be at some point. How do we cover it? We address it with the individual. James chapter 5, verse 20 says this. It says, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. We're called to stimulate. Part of iron sharpening iron is, when appropriate, calling people on their sin. Another weighty thought, because that's uncomfortable. But would you rather let someone just wallow in it and continue sitting? Now, there's a caveat to this in that if you, again, you read the next verse, John chapter 16 and verse 8, it says, He, when He, the Holy Spirit, comes, He will convict the world concerning of sins, righteousness, and judgment. And so, it is Holy Spirit's job to convict of sin. But he uses us at times. It's kind of like, uh, you know, if I'm walking around and i got a big old smudge on my face, okay, and my wife just lets me walk around that way and even come up here, and i got stuff just dripping down my face, but I don't know it. I'm on camera and I think I'm just looking all fine. But nobody tells me, okay, then is that really a, a good friend? No. Or are they, I should say this, are they operating as a good friend at that time? No. No. It's intimidating, though, because you don't want to embarrass people. There's so many reasons that, that we can come up with, and I'm not going to go into great depth there. But it all ties in. You know, in some instances, it's not always to discern if and when we should say anything. Okay? But where there's offense, where there's stuff that's, that's between people, it, it just needs to be dealt with. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And it ties right in, and you really can't separate this, you know, because we're, we're, we're called to address it with the individual. Uh, whether, again, whether it's sins perceived or real transgressions that others have against us, we're called to address it with people, not those around us. Um, but I love these scriptures. Proverbs 17, 9 says, He who conceals a, a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Concealing a matter, though, doesn't mean that I keep my mouth shut and I don't say anything. 
Okay, concealing a matter is what Shepheth, sorry, Shem and Japheth did. They went in and they covered, they addressed the nakedness of their father so that others who are in his circle wouldn't walk in and he would be shamed further. Proverbs 18.17 is this. The first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. And you might think, okay, well, Pastor Fred, that one's a little off. I don't follow you. Well, track with me a second. The first to plead his case seems right. When, when we have an offense, okay, uh, or, or again, we perceive something going on that we think maybe we need to address, we're the first to examine and so it seems right. Our perspective always seems right. It just does. And sometimes it is. And sometimes it's what that other person needs. But, but the verse goes on. The first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. In this case, it's until we go to our friend, until we go to whoever it is that we have ought or offense or, or uh, has sin in their life, until we go and say, hey, this is what I see going on. What's, what's actually going on? We don't know. We need to give them a chance to speak into that. <laughs> I've been a part of many of these. And I'm not talking about people necessarily coming to me at all. There's been that, but where I have been offended at people, and I've done this totally the wrong way. Many, many, many times. I can tell you all the ways not to do this, okay? Been there, done that, bought that t-shirt, wore it out, and then I bought two more. <laughs> wore them out. My goodness. No. Yeah, I can tell you really good what not to do. But what's always amazing to me is as God and my closest friends around me have helped me to do this the right way, Nine times out of ten, I find when I deal with those things, it's not at all what I thought. Even when I thought people were just running me through or running me down or doing this or doing that to me, um, I was typically wrong. But I don't know. If I'm the first one to plead my case, that's all I see. I've got to give the other person a chance to plead their case. As uncomfortable as it is sometimes, if you're going to address things, you have to go to the source. First Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. As much as I have failed in this area, I can tell you that those who I have gone to have always covered my sin. And conversely, Part of covering others' sin or, or covering the appearance of sin even. Just covering their warts. Those things that are just not pleasant to look at. I have lots of unpleasant things to look at in my life. Many of you know about that. Some of you have yet to discover some. It's okay. But love wants to see that covered over. It doesn't want to 
as Ham did, dwell on those things. Hebrews chapter 8, and verse 12, says, For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. This is how we're to approach other people's nakedness. Again, whether it's real or perceived sin, it doesn't matter. This is how our Father deals with it. And at the end of the day, this is how we're called to to deal with it as well. We can look at this again from from that really heavy perspective, but there's also another perspective here. And this is this is really what I want to, to end on. Um, while loyalty is covering over, while loyalty covers and does not dwell upon people's issues. Loyalty is also an opportunity to make others look good. For example, I use Apostle Tim because I know he's secure. (laughs) I haven't always agreed with his decisions throughout the years, or the way he's done things, or, or what he wanted to do. And as I learned, I learned to go to him, and we talked about it, and again, most of those things, if not all of them, just simply got resolved. But throughout that, I had the opportunity to get under him regardless, and lift him up, and push him up, and make him look good, Because that's what he was demonstrating for me with all of my wards. Between him and my wife, that's where I learned grace. Loyalty is an opportunity to get under the mission of those around us and just push up. To make them look good even when they don't deserve to look good. And I want to give you just one example of that. There's several in fact, there's two you could study. You can study the life of Daniel, which is just an amazing, when you look at it through the lens of loyalty, is really quite amazing. And then David, the life of David just astounds me. As many times as I've read it through, um, and I continue to read it through, and it's in books, and I love going through the life of David. It it has taught me and continues to be a teacher to this day. But Daniel, what was going on with Daniel? He was removed from his family at the age of 15. His name was changed to a heathen god. He, He was a good Israelite, a worshiper of God, of Jehovah, and yet they defamed him. They changed his name and made it into 
the name of, of the king's, one of the king's gods, one of the king's many gods, it is quite likely that he was also made a eunuch. He was immersed in a demonic system filled with witchcraft and sorcery, threatened with death, that if he did not bow to an idol of the king, um, he was done. And and fortunately, perhaps, uh, however you want to look at this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego took the heat for that, pun intended. Actually, they took no heat. More puns. Sad puns. Bill Johnson writes this, and yet Daniel, in spite of all of this, thrived in his, thrived in his environment, unoffended, so much so that he stood out, head and shoulders above the rest, and it was considered the wise one. He goes on to say, Daniel set the high water mark for living in a dark environment and thriving. I don't understand this kind of loyalty. Not the fullness of it. What this man went through, and yet he was so loyal to his king. This king who would put him through all of this. And David. David is another one. Right? If you don't know the story of David, start reading the books of First and Second Samuel. You get more insight as you read through First and Second Kings and then Chronicles as well. It's an amazing story. And, and you see this young man who nobody thought was worthy. God anoints him. The king decides that he loves him. For the king is suddenly jealous of him because he's been shown up by David. The king tries to kill him. The king goes after him to the point where it drives him mad. And yet his faithfulness, David's faithfulness and loyalty is unquestioned and unparalleled. He had Saul dead to rights in a cave. Saul went in, as it said, to relieve himself. In the cave. And David, his men are going, get him. Now's the time. Get him. God's delivered him into your hands. Look at everything he's done to you. Look at how he's spit on you. He's pursued you. David went up. and He he cuts off the hem of, of his robe. Just a little swath. And then he sneaks back. And the king goes back out. David is beside himself because he's just now shamed the king by cutting off a portion of his robe. I've read this story so many times. And the loyalty, the faithfulness. He's, David's cut to the quick and he goes out of the cave knowing that his life is now forfeit. He's revealed his position, and he's surrounded by the armies of the king, and he says, Oh, king, forgive me. Look what I did. But I'm telling you, I was also faithful because my men said that I could just I should just hack off your head. 
and be done with it. And that God delivered me into your hand, but I didn't do it. But I feel grieved by what I did do. Look at my faithfulness. If the body of Christ is going to rise up to be what she's called to be, that great and glorious, pure and spotless bride, loyalty's got to be at the base of that. Listen, there's times that, that you're not going to agree with people. And yet, there's going to be times that you just need to get under them, push up on their mission in life, and say, let's go do this. You're designed for this. Whether you believe it or not, I'm going to push up to make you look good. Not to make me look good, because I'm making you look good, but I'm going to push up to make you look good because the body of Christ needs you. That should be our heart. It was David's heart toward the king. We can look at loyalty as an, as an impossible set of rules to live by. Because it really does sound impossible. To be sure, it, it's not always easy to work through issues with people that we love and admire. When those things come up. It's not. But you can look at loyalty as an invitation to greater joy in relationship and greater favor and blessing. Because that's what it is. When you read the rest of that passage in Genesis chapter 9, verse 24 says, When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his younger son had, had done to him. First be Canaan, a servant of servants. He shall be to his brother. And also blessed be the God. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. And let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth. Let him dwell in the tents of Shem. And let Canaan be his servant. There's favor and blessing. There's blessing in our relationships. There was a time when I think my greatest focus was God get me out of debt. I know there was a time when it was God make me rich. There was a time when I even made that look religious and said, God make me rich so I can do all these things. And I shouldn't say that because that's not a, that's not a bad thought. I still desire to have um, money growing on trees, so to speak. When I think of all the things I could do, all the things I desire to do to help others. But I really think God, is, God has just been so shifting my heart as much as that still, again, it's not a bad desire. I desire more than anything 
And just simply see joy in every relationship which I step into. It brings me so much joy to see people step into the fullness of what they're called to do and to be. When I see Kevin and Mary in, you know, stepping out and, and following their dream, and I see the hot sauce, and then what started is one simple sauce is how many products now? 17 products and, and growing because I because I, I know that brain, those brains of yours, um, they just continue to go, oh, what if? Ooh, what about that? Oh, oh my gosh, we could do this. Man, I, I can get under that. I love to see people dream. That brings me the most joy. To, to see Catherine step into to doing this whole web design has been such a joy to me. And so on and so forth. Anyways. Loyalty is a part of honor. It's an integral part of it. It doesn't have to be heavy. But there, to, put, to be sure, there's, there's a weightiness about it. There, there always is and there always will be. But it's not a subservient type of thing. It's an opportunity to sow into relationships, to see people lifted up. And you know what? You reap what you sow. Because when other people are pushing on me to, to see me lifted up, or, or, or on Apostle Tim, for example, you reap what you sow. It opens up the door for promotion for you as well. As you make others look good, I guarantee you, whether people want to or not, they're going to be doing things to make you look good as well. It's, it's a spiritual principle. You reap what you sow. You drop a seed in the ground. If it's an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree. Amen? It is such a key. But it is so important that we can walk in honor one to another. Um, it's what the body of Christ needs. It's what this nation needs. Because, again, we're not going to rise up. We will not be able to see things put in their proper place as a nation until we can get a hold of this, this honor. It begins here. It begins with the people in our immediate circle. And then it's contagious, right? Honor is the key to unlocking the favor available to us. This is a year of favor. Okay? And lack of honor has great potential to limit that favor. I want you to walk in favor in every aspect of life and ministry. I want to be, the degree I can, one of your biggest fans and cheerleaders in life. It's not something I've always been good at something I'm striving to get better at. Cheering on my children constantly. Cheering on Hannah as she's out doing the things she's doing and working and trying to listen this morning. Alyssa up in North Dakota. But each of you as well, as you press into a new home, as Russell presses, presses into Snap-on, I want to see Russell so stinking successful 
that, that he can just retire at a young age and do all that's on his heart. That is attainable. Sounds impossible, maybe to him at the moment. But it's not. So, Father, we just pray that you would just release your heart in and amongst his people afresh and anew. Lord, that, that, that which just reaches out across the aisle, that which reaches one to another, and, and even if we're already pushing up, gives us the grace to push up even more on people to press into relationships. The ones that are uncomfortable, the ones that maybe we just don't want to or don't have the time to, time for. Those that are here, those that are outside of here, people that you put on our hearts. We desire to see your kingdom come. To see your kingdom come, we desire to see people thriving around us. We want to be a part of it. So we say, have your way. This is why we lay it down. This is why we say, I'm not my own. Have your way in us. God, this is the culture that we want to live in. Because this is revival culture. It's not something we're waiting on. It's something we're in the midst of. But honor brings it up. So we just call for those, those flames of revival. We just fan them this morning in this place. We just blow on those winds of revival. As you change the culture of our hearts, the culture of this place and the culture of this city, God, we just give you all glory, all honor, all praise. We're so worthy. And we just declare the name of Jesus lifted high, high and lifted up over every relationship, over every family, over every household, over every place of employment, every place that we go. Let the name of Jesus be high and lifted up. And the revelation of Jesus Christ let the revelation of Jesus Christ come forth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, real quick, um, if this is a relationship you don't know at home, I encourage you to go to um, our web page, um, Ark. Arcgenoa.org, and on that homepage you'll see a little button that says Meet Jesus. And I encourage you to click on that if you don't know him already as Lord and Savior of your life. And uh, there's, there's lots for you that you can step into there. You can also contact us personally, and we'll be more than happy to pray for you and with you. Um, but until next time, may the grace of God be all over you. May his he let his face shine upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Be blessed. Go eat good food.